The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We're going to give grades to the Milwaukee Bucks starters. We're going to talk about Amari Rogers and if he is a forgotten man in the Packer wide receiver room. And then we will preview the Brewers and Nationals and probably throw in a Chuck's Corner at the very end. So hope you're all in on that idea today. Uh, if you're not, maybe eh, just still listen regardless. Uh, you can follow us on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter. Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Facebook also Tabby Keg Sports. Uh, as well as make sure you're rating and reviewing if you're already subscribed. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Apple, Spotify. Um, and also, I'd really appreciate it if you are subscribed to share with your friends. I would say that that is more important than a rating or a review. Tell people about us. Tell us what we have going. Um, I would really appreciate that. That would really mean a lot to me. All right, let's dive in. Let's talk about grades for the Milwaukee Bucks starters. So Milwaukee Bucks obviously finished on Sunday. They did not play last night. Um, if it were still the Easter Conference Finals, we'd be recapping Bucks Heat. Uh, but we are not. We are instead looking ahead to the offseason. And before we go all in on who the Bucks should trade for, who the Bucks should explore and, and have a deal done for, which there are some deals out there in the Bucks Twitter world, we need to finish up and talk about the regular season and the playoffs and how these guys performed and what sort of the ceiling, I guess, or what is next year look for them. What If you look ahead in your crystal ball and you're like, what could these guys be? And so that's where the grading comes in. Now, grading for the Milwaukee Bucks is a lot easier than the Milwaukee Brewers or the Green Bay Packers because there are much fewer guys. We don't have a ton of dudes to talk about. We have a few to talk about, um, and we're going to talk about the starters first. Um, we're going to do... Um, Brian Portis is not included in this, by the way. Um, we're going to include Wes Matthews and Brooke Lopez. We're going to end with the starting lineup that would have been had Chris Middleton been healthy. Um, and that would be the one we're rolling with going forward. As that was the Bucks lineup to close the regular season. That was the Bucks lineup in the playoffs to start. And then they obviously went with the bigger lineup with Bobby um, after Middleton went down with an injury. So we will talk about that. Uh, Giannis, Chris, Drew, Wes, Brooke. That's our, those are the five we're doing today. And then we'll do the starters um, some other day. I don't know if we're going to do it Monday. I, it kind of all depends on what content's available to you. It might be Monday. It might be Tuesday. Um, but we're definitely going to give out Bucks grades as well uh, for the bench players because they're just as important as the starters. But let's start with the Giannis Antetokounmpo. The guy's an A. I, I was trying to think a situation where Giannis Antetokounmpo would not get an A as I was kind of prepping for this podcast topic, I was like, I don't know if there is ever going to be a situation where Giannis doesn't get an A, right? I'm trying to think of a superstar that would not get an A for their season. I mean, I guess Dame Lillard, but to me, that's more of an incomplete because Dame Lillard got hurt. Um, Anthony Davis, I think, would be a guy that you could argue is a B- minus to a C-plus guy. He could never stay healthy. And there's a difference between being injured like what Dame did and then Anthony Davis, you know, obviously having these continual injury issues and you look ahead and you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Anthony Davis can actually produce an 82 game season 
and be the second banana to a really good team. He might just be a bad stats, good player guy. I realize they want a title, but I'm telling you that bubble thing is so flawed and I, I just can't use it as an actual title. To me, it's way more of a caveat. It's way more of a yeah, but than it is an actual thing. But back to Giannis Antetokounmpo, I, I just never see that guy not being an A athlete, not being an A or A plus. If you do A pluses, people don't do A pluses anymore. Hell, I don't even think people do grades anymore. Uh, but yeah, A for Giannis for sure. Um, no question about it. Uh, Giannis had a fantastic year. It was an MVP-like season. The guy was all over the court, offensively, defense. He is one of the best players, if not the best player in baseball, basketball, not baseball. I I don't think you have any doubt about that. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Giannis Antetokounmpo is not the best player in basketball. I shouldn't say if. I, I need to probably get out of that mindset. I think for so long it was kind of like, well, we think he is, and I think everybody thought he was, but he is the best player in basketball. It's not if, it is is. And Giannis had just another incredible year. The playoffs were phenomenal for him. I realized that the Bucks didn't finish the way they wanted to, but Giannis had over 200 points, over 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in this series. He put the team on his back as much as he could, and unfortunately, he came up short. And now if this Boston team goes on to win the finals, now a long way to go, right? Um, we have no idea what's going to happen. But if Boston would go on and win the finals, I think that adds to Giannis's legacy, weirdly enough, because Boston, they took him to seven. Like there's a opportunity or a chance that maybe the Bucks win that game and they're moving on. And now who knows, right? That's probably highly unlikely, but it's just something to think about when you talk about where the Bucks are. Giannis actually averaged the most points per game than he had in any of his seasons with 29.9. He nearly won the scoring title, 11.6 rebounds and 5.8 assists. His rebounds were actually up from last year, but not near his career high, which was 2019 and 2020, which it was 13 and six. I mean, you look at Giannis's every year, it's it's an MVP year. I mean, it, it's hard not to say that. I know people sometimes got frustrated turnover-wise. His turnovers were actually down, where they were the lowest they have been since 2017, 2018, which was kind of the start of Giannis. So it's crazy to look at that. And his turnovers had got all the way up to 3.7, now at 3.3. Um, still obviously working on that three-point percentage. Um, it's getting better. It's going to still need improvement. The free throws, you know, rose dramatically um, from the low point of 63% to now it's at 72%, which is, again, similar to that 2018-2019 season, which was kind of Giannis's coming out party. So we'll see if Giannis can keep improving on those free throws. I think, though, really the big things for Giannis in terms of next year are obviously continuing to be a good three-point shooter, continuing to find those opportunities to be a three-point shooter. I like that Giannis continues to work at it. I have no problem with him shooting around three a game, four a game. I think keeps the defense honest. I think Giannis is going to have to adjust to the flopping in the NBA. I don't know how you do that with his size. It might not be possible. It might just be a conversation that the league, the Bucks have with the league and to say, what does Giannis need to do to not get called for offensive fouls? I don't know. I have no idea what that is, but I think 
that is something to think about. I think he needs to become a, even a better finisher when it comes to layups. Like Giannis is a good finisher when it comes to dunk. Like he's one of the better finishers in the league. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to just layups, like sometimes that touch isn't always there. I think he does need to work on that just a little bit. I think that's a secondary to how do you prevent the offensive fouls in the postseason and on the same token, how do you, you know, improve your three-point game a little bit? Now, Bobby Portis' personal shooter, our personal shooting coach, excuse me, said that he could work fix Giannis in like a day, he said. So I don't know if Giannis will take that. Giannis really doesn't do a lot of coaching. It's kind of more on his own or with the Bucks staff. So we'll see if Giannis, you know, employs somebody like that. I know Dirk's uh, shooting coach, Holger, wanted to work with Giannis. Giannis kind of told him to fuck off because he didn't want to go to Germany. Um, there's a famous story about that. So I don't know if that's even still on the table. We'll see if Giannis can keep improving his game because we know he will. He, he just doesn't he doesn't rest on his laurels. I don't think Giannis is going to do that again in the offseason. As for Chris Middleton, I give Chris a B for the year. Um, Middleton kind of dipped a little bit when it came to two-point and three-point percentages this year. What's weirdly weird about Middleton's season is that he had a similar campaign against uh, the year they lost to Toronto. Um, if you look at the stats from that year and the stats from this year, they are weirdly similar um, from Middleton kind of decreasing in terms of two-pointers and three-pointers. Three-point percentage, not necessarily overall. But yeah, I, I didn't necessarily love this year for Middleton. I know he got, was an all-star, but it, it felt like a, hey, sorry, we didn't make you an all-star last year when you won a championship. It was more of what you did in the playoffs versus what Middleton did during that season. It really wasn't that deserving. Now, he kind of came on strong as the year, year progressed. But I do wonder, and I know he got hurt too, and I, I don't want to speculate this is the reason he got hurt, but I do wonder if it was just too much basketball for Chris Middleton. If you think about all the games they played in 2021, then he plays the Olympics, then he plays a bunch of games in, in this season. I think he also had COVID. I think he might have had the had COVID really early in this season as well. So you dealt with the Delta variant. It was before Omicron, which is a little more severe than Omicron, even if you are vaccinated. So there could have been a lot of things going on with Chris Middleton. Also a new father. So that's obviously an adjustment. Um, I expect a much better year from Chris Middleton next year. I think that my expectation for Middleton is sky high. Um, he's up for a potential extension. They could keep riding out his contract. I would assume that they would give Middleton an extension of around three years. I think uh, Brian Sampson of Bucks Film Room had the number like three and 64. I would assume that's what the Bucks do here and keep the Giannis and Middleton thing going for as long as they can. I think that would take Middleton close to Giannis's next contract. And so I think that all makes sense. I think having Middleton here for as long as you do with, with Giannis works for the best because as someone pointed out, the Bucks have not yet lost the series with Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis. They, they haven't. I mean, the facts are facts. Now, Grant, it's a very small sample size, but the only way the Bucks have lost recently has been either a bubble or the fact that Giannis had to carry the load without his number two. Having Chris Middleton back next year will be great. And I think Chris Middleton will do a lot of good things with a full offseason off. 
Drew Holiday, I give Drew an A minus. I, I mean, I know there were some playoff struggles, but I think you were asking a ton of Drew Holiday. I think you were probably asking too much of Drew Holiday transparently. Like, I don't think Drew Holiday could play the defense that he was and also be expected to shoot the ball 20 to 30 times. That is where you needed the wing support. And when we talk about the bench players, we're definitely going to go in. I mean, their their grades are going to be affected by what happened in this postseason. But Drew tried to bail out Giannis as much as he could. I still have Drew as an A minus. Um, I thought he had a really good year. Um, he had a it, his best three point shooting year. He also was more efficient, you know, in terms of this two point made baskets. Um, he also his points were up. His defense was great all year. I think that there will be people now with the Boston Media Mafia, which is real. I, I It is. There's a ton of people who have Boston connections. I think Drew will suddenly have more respect defensively, and all of a sudden there will be some capital buzz for Drew to get Defensive Player of the Year because I think he deserves it, right? I think that's something that Drew is should be in the running for every year, and somehow he hasn't been like a top-five vote-getter you know, in a lot of different examples. So I think Drew definitely deserves the respect, and I think he's going to get more of it next season. In terms of things to work on for Drew, I think it's just understanding the moment. I think he got a little too in love with his shot against Boston. Now, I don't know if that happens, if Chris Middleton's out there, um, but I do think there are moments where Drew just decides to kind of iso ball and take over. Um, there needs to be less of that. Um, maybe it's just... He needs to be a little more off ball, and maybe that would help out and maybe have someone else start the start the offense, whether it's Middleton, whether it's Giannis, whether it's you know another guard, who knows, right? But um, I would like to see that a little bit less from Holiday. Uh, but that's really it. Like, I don't know. The other stuff with Drew, I, I really enjoy watching him play basketball. I think he is so good defensively. I can't critique anything on that side of the ball. And yeah, just a little bit of, little bit of tweaks here and there offensively would be great. I think too, having a mid-range game would like Chris Paul would kind of be good. I know that we're kind of an anti-Chris Paul podcast, but you got to give Chris Paul his respect from beat for how he is from a mid-range game. I don't know if Holiday kind of has that, and I think it would really help him. I think it would really, you know, make the drives to the basket a lot easier if guys had to respect a mid-range game from him. So I, I definitely think. Uh, Holiday could develop that that mid-range game and that would really improve what he's already done. For Wes Matthews, it's a B- minus for me. I, here's the thing about Wes. I like what Wes did. Wes was your P.J. Tucker this season. All right, They needed a guy like Wes Matthews and he was a great pickup in December. Wes Matthews, though, does not give you anything offensively. You can't win with Wes Matthews. Now, I'm not saying you need to upgrade and have a fourth star on the team, as Chris Herring suggested ridiculously in Sports Illustrated. But what I am suggesting is that Wes Matthews isn't a starter. You know, P.J. Tucker can do his things, but the thing about P.J. is he still can hit a corner three or he can still have a game where he has 16 or 17 points because he's knocking down corner threes. Wes Matthews does not have that capability. If the Bucks wanted to bring Wes Matthews back, I'm perfectly fine with Wes staying here. I just don't want Wes to be a starter again. I think that has to be a improvement and area of emphasis and that Wes goes back to the bench and gives you anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. 
he guards, you know, the best, you know, wing player on the other team. Um, maybe he's in crunch time items. Maybe he isn't. I think it would all depend on what the what's kind of the vibe of the game, what's the energy of the game. But yeah, I would bring Wes back, you know, for a 10 to 20 minute sort of experience versus him being a starter because he just is a zero on offense. And you can basically forget about Wes if you're in opposition. And what the Bucks need to try to avoid is having that guy next season. Brooke Lopez gets a B-plus for me, and it might be a grade that it shouldn't be. I realize he didn't play a lot in the regular season. I think it could be high, could be a lower grade. It could be an A. I guess it would be a higher grade, right, even though it's, it's a lower number. Um, it could be an A-minus even because I think just all the impact Brooke had immediately was there. Um, a lot of talk about how bad the Bucks' defense was this year, how it took a step back from years prior. And really all it was, was they didn't have Brooke Lopez. And when they had Brooke Lopez, it was really successful. And they they saw some great things with Brooke. I mean, the defense that he brings is phenomenal. It is underrated. It is really, really strong. And then his occasional offensive spurts. I think he's forgotten about on offense, in my opinion. I don't think Bud does enough to free Brooke Lopez. And I think you can see that Brooke can still be a productive anywhere from eight to 14 point guy in the paint. He's lost his ability to shoot threes. I just don't know if that's coming back. I maybe, you know, that was a back thing, right? Where he's trying to still get comfortable with with his back and the, the three point shooting is a different motion than what he does taking it to the lane or blocking shots. I realize I'm kind of making an excuse for him, but seriously, I, I don't know. Maybe full off season, it'll be a lot better. But he was definitely more springy. I don't think you get rid of Brooke Lopez. I think Brooke also will get an extension this off season. I forget the numbers that Brian put out there. But I think that would make more sense to me than getting rid of Brooke Lopez or putting Brooke Lopez in a trade. I don't think there's any reason to not run it back with the Bucks starters minus Matthews with what they did in 2021. They won a title in 2021 with this same core. I think you can do similar and look at what needs to be improved. I think you can try to find a P.J. Tucker-like replacement. I realize not everybody's P.J. Tucker, but maybe that is your missing piece. I don't think it's Wes Matthews. I think they need to find someone a little bit better, better offensively to sort of fill that void. And once they do... I think they could be very successful. And I still think they could, if they decided to really run it back and it was just this starting five when we start the season next year, probably in Boston, um, I think that, I think you would, I would be okay with it, but I would have some reservations just because I do think you need to keep improving. You need to keep developing. You need to keep sort of growing as a team. And even with your guys, your, your top guys like Giannis, Chris, and Drew, you, the the bot the next tier can be improved and that's what I think the Bucks need to look at this off season. Let me know what you thought about the grades. If you agree, if you disagree, um, would happy to hear your own uh, grades for the Bucks starters. Moving on to Amari Rogers and the Green Bay Packers. Jason Vrabel, uh, the Packers wide receiver coach, met with the media yesterday and he had a very interesting comment about Amari Rogers. Vrabel said this. Amari Rodgers, or I'm sorry, so here's, here's a quote. I feel really good about Amari. Kabi bumped me the other day and was like, yo, you can feel it from him. I just smiled. It's just the start. Said his, 
confidence is starting to build. Things are starting to click. That was from Zach Krause, who had the quote. I love this. I love this from Amari Rodgers. I love the idea of an Amari Rodgers breakout season. I think that we are all sleeping on the idea of an Amari Rodgers breakout year because Amari Rodgers was really a non-factor last season. Uh, He had some struggles in terms of special teams. He looked slower. Um, Whether that was he added on weight and he didn't necessarily need to. But there was a there has obviously been a lot of work being done. I'm not surprised. It's a smart kid. He's a coach's son. He was a top 100 pick. I, I would imagine that Amari Rogers would start to thrive, and he is a forgotten guy when it comes to the Packer wide receiver room. There is the fact that yes, you have Randall Cobb, and Randall Cobb is basically what Amari Rogers will be. And the hope is that Amari Rogers is the next Randall Cobb. But it's not to say that you can't use Amari Rogers and Randall Cobb in the same personnel. You could have an 11 personnel or even a 10 personnel and basically have Amari Rogers and Randall Cobb running slant, crossing slants or just full crossing patterns. To me, I think that could be unstoppable for what the Packers want to do. I think you could definitely have Amari Rogers and Cobb on the field at the same time. Also, too, he was very healthy last season, but Randall Cobb has gotten himself hurt before. You're going to need, you know, that backup and also the potential gadgets. If Amari Rodgers kind of gets back to that speed weight that he was, you can start using him in jet sweeps and in other opportunities to run the football and some more creative stuff with Amari Rodgers. I think Amari is going to surprise some people. I thought that quote is interesting. I don't think coaches just say that to say it, right? They they are obviously pumping up their dude a little bit, but they also are seeing it out on the football field. Now, will it translate with Aaron Rodgers? That's unknown. I do think that it would behoove Aaron Rodgers. I said this, I think, before, right around the draft or right after the draft, like Aaron Rodgers needs to do like a Deshaun Watson thing. I hate to invoke Deshaun Watson because you know dude's a dude's a weirdo. But um, he took everybody to the Bahamas, right? He took the offense to the Bahamas. Now I don't know if they'll be working in the Bahamas. I don't know if this is just a dude's trip for him to get acclimated to the team, or it is an actual working session. Aaron Rodgers should invite every one of his receivers to Malibu. Like every receiver should be going to Malibu with Aaron Rodgers, hanging out, and basically running a camp. And that's sort of the thing that I would like to see if Rodgers doesn't want to come up to Green Bay and do the training camp work. I think that would really help um, in terms of getting that idea. But yeah, I I think it's going to be quite the competition for wide receiver in general. Um, They have a lot of dudes at this point. Because you look at this wide receiver room right now, how it stands. You have Christian Watson, you have Alan Lazard, you have Randall Cobb, you have Sammy Watkins, you have Amari Rogers. That's your five. Then you have Juwan Winfrey, who is six. Romeo Dubs, who is seven. Malik Taylor, eight. Samari Torre, nine. Then they also brought on Danny Davis as a undrafted free agent, um, the kid from Wisconsin. So that would be 10. So that means that you're probably going to do seven in the receiving room. I just, I, Juwan Winfrey, I like. I feel like there is potential there. But I do wonder, is Juwan Winfrey the guy on the chopping block here? Because Malik Taylor has been an ex- excellent special teams guy. 
Um, I think it would come down to if they can replace him, whether that's with Dubs. Dubs, ah, man, it's going to be a struggle. I look at his name and I want to say Dubs, but it's Dobbs. And Romeo Dobbs, whether Dobbs um, is a guy who be, take, kind of takes Taylor's spot, and then, then you don't have to really worry about Taylor. So maybe that's kind of the secret sauce, and then that's your seven. Um, and Torres, a practice squad guy. Danny Davis might be a practice squad guy. Um, that could be a real opportunity. I could see that being a ve- very strong possibility um, because I, I don't necessarily see this wide receiver room expanding anymore. I know people have talked about Odell Beckham, talked about Julio Jones, but where would you put them? Where would you put those guys right now? Um, those guys, there's no room. And everyone's like, well, it's a downgrade from we having Devontae Adams. Well, yeah, Devontae, best receiver in football. But you still have Aaron Rodgers. Still have Aaron Rodgers there. I think Sammy Watkins is kind of an underrated asset. I think Sammy has had some good years uh, with Kansas City and Baltimore. Got to remember, too, playing for Baltimore is much different than any other team in football with the way they run the football, with the way they approach offense. So to me, I feel like Sammy kind of got a bad rep. Not necessarily a bad rap, but I think there is an assumption that he's washed. I don't think that's the case. I do think he's injury prone. Um, and so I think sometimes when you do get injury prone, it is a feeling of being washed. But yes, if they can get a semi-breakout year from Amari Rodgers, like let's just say Amari Rodgers has 500 yards and three touchdowns next season. I'm taking that. I'm taking that all the way to the bank. I think that would make the Packers offense very good. And Amari would, and he's then on a pathway to becoming a starter in the NFL. And so then you kind of see the next generation of Packers, right? You see it with Christian Watson, Dobbs, and Rodgers. And those are those guys. And those then that becomes the team. And, and that's the beauty of the Green Bay Packers. And I know sometimes draft and develop gets people cranky, gets people fired up. But this is exactly why you do it. Because every couple of years, you see the next generation. The next iteration of guys. And who knows, maybe Aaron Rodgers is still playing football because he's a cyborg and quarterbacks are going to play forever. All right, real quick, uh, the Brewers and Nationals get going this weekend. Uh, it is should be decent weather. I think tonight is probably your best day from a weather perspective. I don't know if the roof will be open at Miller Park, but... I still think this would be a great opportunity to get out to the ballpark this weekend if you're looking for something to do. I don't think there's a ton going on. I think, you know, it's kind of a weird week, right? It's the weekend before Memorial Day, so you don't have that. Oh, I guess rain's in the forecast tonight. So maybe you will not. Your precious tailgates will be potentially ruined. But yeah, 72 today, then tomorrow's cold. Um, And then Sunday, weather's nice, but it's only going to be 60. That's not, it's not even really great tailgate weather. So, yes, the Brewers face a Nationals team that is, I would say, in the rebuilding phase, right? Um, They are far behind the New York Mets, who've been a juggernaut so far in the NL East. The Nationals right now are a record of 13-26. and They've lost seven of their last ten. They are not a good pitching team. They have a run differential of 45. So there could be an area opportunity for this Brewers offense to get going. Um, they, they start against Eric Freedy, who's been better this season. Uh, Freedy last year was a complete gas can. 
He's been a little bit better this year. The underlying numbers say at some point there's going to be a blowout, blow up, excuse me. Uh, he's facing Eric Lauer. I think it's really interesting for Eric Lauer. See if he can get off the mat. The Nationals have not been that good against left-handers this season. Then on Saturday, you have Brandon Woodruff against Patrick Corbin. Corbin has been, is the gas can. Like to me, if you're talking about who is the gas can in baseball, it's Patrick Corbin. Now, uh, Aaron Sanchez, who they're facing on Sunday, might also be uh, a similar candidate. But Milwaukee's struggles with left-handers should not affect them against Corbin. I realize they're not that good against lefties, but to me, a guy like Corbin is the perfect recipe to sort of get going again against left-handers. Um, Corbin has been awful this season. And Brandon Woodruff, too, you know, trying to keep improving, trying to keep, you know, those clean sheets. Uh, it's been sort of a struggle for Woodruff this year, but maybe, you know, getting run support will help him. Uh, he he definitely got it in Miami when the Brewers won 7-3. to And then you have Freddie Peralta against Aaron Sanchez, as mentioned. Uh, Freddie had an amazing start on on Monday. It was phenomenal. Uh, Freddie was really good in that game. We'll see if he can follow it up. Again, the Brewers should have areas of opportunity to get run support with Aaron Sanchez. Dude is a gas can. Again, not very good pitching. That's why their run differential is minus 45, right? And this is the exactly the reason why. And it's on full display this weekend. And they do have a good offense. Um, you know, the Nationals have Juan Soto. I can't believe that Juan Soto is being talked about in trade talks. Uh, he, to me, is one of the best players in baseball. You don't trade that. Like, that's just something you don't do. Uh, he is a guy you'll worry about every time he's at the plate. Um, and definitely it helps, I guess, that you have Lauer going tonight. So there's a lefty-lefty matchup. But that really doesn't affect Soto too much. Former Brewer, longtime former Brewer, Nelson Cruz, hasn't really got going this year. Um, the deadening of the ball has led to some struggles. Cruz has only hit four home runs this year. Um, so there, there is that. Uh, Mikel Franco hasn't been bad. Franco has done some things against the Brewers in the past. Um, Miller Park's been a friendly place. Cesar Hernandez has killed the Brewers in the past as well. Uh, both Franco and Hernandez, to me, seem like obvious trade candidates this offseason. Might be a showcase game for Franco, honestly, uh, with the Brewers kind of lacking the depth at third base. Um, they, I know they have Urias, but they do move him around. To me, Franco seems like a guy, kind of going back to the Braves model of last year, of just getting as much bench support as possibly needed. Um, Franco could be, that could be that guy for them. Yadiel Hernandez is a emerging player as well for the Nationals. So they have some interesting guys. Again, I think it would be worth a visit to the ballpark. I don't think the entry would be that inexpensive, especially Friday. Um, Saturday, uh, you're getting up there, and then Sunday, it's a Willie Adonis bobblehead. So good luck trying to get in the ballpark on Sunday. It'll be packed. be a full house for uh, the bobblehead. Bobbleheads still play. It's incredible that bobbleheads are still a real thing. Chuck's Corner, I've had a boring week. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, first week back from Mexico, always um, good to get back from, from vacation and get sort of into the, mo the mood. We did two guest pods this week, which is great. Um, we did one with Mitch. We did one with Murph. Um, have checking out Central Waters Brewery down here for the first time this weekend, so that should be fun. I'm definitely looking forward to, to that and should be a good time. I think it'll be... 
be a lot of fun and uh, definitely excited for that and excited to see what it's all about. And hopefully they have some of their bourbon barrel stouts on tap because that would be great. Um, always enjoy that. But yeah, I'm, I'm bored. I'm sorry. Oh, I guess I was going to blog these, but I, I don't know if I'll have time. So we'll, we'll, we'll run through them really quick. There was a guy in Wisconsin who has eaten Big Macs for two of his meals every day since for the last 50 years. That's incredible. He just has a Big Mac and a Coke. Um, that I think this is time now where I admit to you that I've never had a Big Mac. I've never at one point thought to myself, I needed to try a Big Mac. Uh, it's never been a big deal for me. Um, so I've never ate one. Um, so I, I, at some point I need to eat a Big Mac just to say I've done it. But the area of opportunity is, A, I have to lose some weight. First of all, I'm fat as fuck right now. So I need to lose some weight before I'm even bringing Big Macs into the conversation. I know we have that hot dog bet. I'm not going to welch on that. Um, but it's probably looking more like September. Maybe it's an opportunity with like the Brewers playing on a Saturday as well as college football going on. And so maybe that's that's when we do it. Um, and we, we, we blow it out. We do a big thing for it. Um, but yeah, I'm not welching on it. I just need to get a little less fluffy. Um, the other thing too is David Gruber's bringing back the milk house. It was it was the Herb Cole milk stand for years at the Wisconsin State Fair. Now it'll be the David, David Gruber milk stand. I know everybody made the joke, one milk, that's all. Um, it's good. Um, I personally would put that on a t-shirt. I used to work at the milk stand for two years. It was a great summer job. I mean, it was a you made a lot of money. You worked 11 days. It sucked work 11 straight days you worked long hours it was hot but you dealt with people all the time and so you just it would be like this big people watch thing and i had some buddies doing it as well so that helped right it helps when you have friends as well doing it um their people would ask like hey do you have white milk and be like it's a fucking flavored milk stand um it's not they're not gonna have white milk uh, I think there was one time where it was an actual mom who's like, I need milk for my baby. And we, again, we were like, I can't help. Like I, I had a lot of those awkward interactions. Um, best milk they put out though. And if you, if you get me you realize I can't pronounce milk, it's CK. I'm sorry. It's just Wisconsin and me. Uh, root beer milk was phenomenal. Um, root beer milk is one of the best milks you could have. Tastes like a root beer float. Um, but just in milk form or like a root beer milkshake. It's very similar. It's delicious. I would drink it all the time. Um, so if I do go out to State Fair, which I haven't gone in a couple of years, um, I, it's funny. We did the pandemic State Fair where it was just driving in the cars when the, you know, it was, I think that was 2020. And we just would drive in our cars and we were sampling food in our cars. We loved it. Like Morgan, my wife, and I, just absolutely loved it. Um, and so we didn't go back last year, but maybe the Herb Cold Milk, now the David Gruber, not the Herb Cold Milk stand, will bring us back. So yeah, those are a couple other things I wanted to hit. Uh, maybe there'll be blogs as well. I try to avoid blogging and podcasting, but I don't know if I'll get to them. So I did want to did want to acknowledge that I, I was aware of both of those stories. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the Brewers. Um, enjoy... The basketball hopefully can get exciting. Um, a lot of blowouts, man. Um, that's kind of boring. Um, it's not not really what I look forward in playoffs. Maybe you gear towards hockey, although those games really weren't that great either. Uh, you had the Blues blowing out the Avalanche. Uh, thanks for that over tip, Pat. Really hit. Um, and then you had the Lightning win again. Um, so Panthers, who might be 
I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think of an equivalent, right? Are they the Packers? Are they like to me? I, I feel there's a little bit of a kindred spirit with the with the Florida Panthers, and now the the Lightning are trying to go back to back to back. A threepeat in modern sports does not happen very often, so we'll see. We'll see. If, I mean, there's a long way to go, obviously, but that's your hockey talk uh, from me. All right. Oh, and the Preakness too. Enjoy that if you're if you're into the horse racing. All right, take care of yourself. Have a fantastic Friday. Have a good weekend. If I see you out, you always know the deal. Buy a beer. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.